Avengers. They exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to another episode of Fans of Monsters Radio where we explore the strange and the unexplained. I'm your host, Lon Stricker, and thanks for joining us. Now, if you enjoy our content, please subscribe, like, and share our presentations. Uh, you know, the more you uh, participate, the more you like, subscribe, and share our content, the, the faster we'll get to those levels where we can do certain things with the channel. And also, feel free to uh, to comment as well. We, we look for all comments. Um the super chat is active during the show, so if you, you know, so please show your support for Fans of Monsters Radio by clicking the dollar icon under the chat. And you can also support us uh, by using the Buy Me a Coffee link uh, that's in the description or on the banner uh, for the show above. So um, your consideration is very much needed and appreciated. So tonight, Fanners of Monsters Radio presents Zach Starrick of the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters team. Uh, they state that they hunt for creatures that inhabit or that are suspected to be migrating in or through Southern Illinois. Uh, Zach Starrick is the team leader of SIMH. He is also an interim pastor at Walnut Hill Free Will Baptist Church, as well as a bass singer, uh, pro wrestler, cryptozoologist for 17 years, outdoorsman, and cattle rancher. Now we had two of his um, we had two of his team that were supposed to join us tonight, but they had some some things they had to take care of. So Zach will be here tonight, but I'm quite sure we'll be able to. We'll be able to talk about his about all the things that he's been involved with. So, Zach, thanks for coming on this evening. Pleasure to be here, Mr. Strickler. It's an honor to be on the show, and it's an honor to finally meet you. And I am blessed, man, and I am blessed to be here. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, don't call me mister. I'm already feel old enough. Just call me <laughs> <Lon>. <laughs> Uh So your team... Okay, tell us a bit about your team. What 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 do you do? How long you've been together? And uh, you know, how do you go about investigating reports? Okay, well, to answer your first question, you know, it started off um, with me and my brother um, seven years ago, and long before that, um, <clears throat> we are based out of a small town called Crab Orchard, Illinois. Um, just right outside, right between Harrisburg and Marion, Illinois, very small town of less than 700 people. And, um, we started off and everything. I started out as a, a private independent researcher and everything, uh, for, and for the first 10 years leading up to the Southern Illinois monster hunters inception. 
and I was a senior in high school, um, getting ready to graduate, and uh, two of my friends, uh, one my best friend and the other my cousin John, uh, and my best friend Gunner, we call affectionately call him Doc because he's um, an actual medical doctor now. Um, we uh, they came to me. Uh, and they're like, are you serious about this kind of stuff? And I said, I am 100% serious. You know, this is taking up about all close to 10 years of my life. Um, I do believe these creatures exist. And they're like, well, we would, if you'd have us on, we have a interest in these things. So we'd like to help out. So originally it was me, my brother, Josh, um, my uh, friend, my best friend Doc, and my cousin John, and the team has grown, and, and numbers decreased in numbers over the past seven years and everything. But now, as as of 2022, we consist of six members, uh, and we all bring different things to the table. You know, we're like I said, we're all God fearing Christians and everything. Uh, three of us are actually ministers. Um, we comprise of occult researchers, paranormal researchers, historians, outdoorsmen, trappers, hunters, um, trackers, everything that you, I believe you would need uh, to make up a, a good unit, especially for, um, you know, researching and actually hunting for cryptids and everything and i don't mean hunting with a gun i mean hunting for the truth of these things mm -hmm. we go and as the old saying goes you know we're here to we as we've always said we're here to put a name on the nameless and explain the unexplainable um that's been our mission uh for the seven years that we've been going uh, head on uh now and um you know, it comprises now of me, uh, Gunner, my best friend, our tracker, my cousin Ben Bishop, our security, Gail LaFoon, our occult researcher for Thibodeau, Louisiana, Stacy Coughlin, um, and our uh, rookie slash caller, Grady Powell. And um, how the other four came into the mix, uh, my brother has left the team here in recent years. He's gone about his own path, uh, started his own research group and everything, and sometimes we work in tandem. Um, but uh, we'll start here with the third in command, my cousin Ben. Um, he came onto the team here a little over a year ago, and he um, brought a lot to the table as an outdoorsman, and also he'd been learning uh, the technique of tracking all of his life. And he brought a lot of not, not only the tracking knowledge, but also crypto, cryptozoology knowledge and paranormal knowledge to the table. And he fit right in. Um, our security, Gail LaFoon, um, he's been on the team now. Uh, next month will be a year that he has been a part of the unit. Um, he brings um, well over 30 years of of outdoor experience, um, survival, trapping, hunting, tracking, um, and uh, knowledge of cryptids and paranormal. Our occult researcher, Stacy Coughlin, um, he brings to the table. He first off, I want to acknowledge the fact that he did uh, some tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He is a war vet uh, with uh, the army. He is um, so thank you for your service, Stacy. Um, he's 
uh, grown up around, uh, you know, hoodoo and voodoo culture, uh, deep in the paranormal and the occult down there in, uh, so in southern Louisiana. And um, he brings a lot to the table along with he does pendulum work and map dousing with dousing rods, um, which is a, a very lesser known practice uh, that you don't hear about every day. And he did work for us um, doing energy work with his pendulum and his dousing rods for years leading up to his official uh, joining the team. And um, he joined the team this year. I, we took a vote. We brought him in and everything. And he's been a part of our operations ever since. And then uh, getting down to our, what we affectionately call Private Powell, um, he was actually one of my uh, baseball players that I used to coach in high, uh, while he was in high school baseball. And he came to me one day after uh, uh, practice, and he saw me sitting in my truck, and I was reading a book after practice, and I'd always see the boys after practice. And he says, I have a little bit of an interest in that stuff myself. And I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. I said, how strong about how strong are you about it? And he says, I'm kind of on the fence, but I'm leaning more towards to being a believer of these things. So he, I brought him on, and he start, didn't even start out on the team. He started out as my student, my protege, mm-hmm. um, and I taught him, you know, everything I know. He's learned more since he's joined the team here uh, three, four years ago. And um, being surrounded by all of this vast knowledge with that the other five members, including myself, bring to the table, he's like a sponge. I would give him books to read and study and everything and take notes on, and they would be, you know, anywhere from an inch to two and a half, three inches thick, and he would be handing them to me at the end of the week saying, all right, give me another one. (laughs) And so that's how, you know, that's how I started, you know, reading books watching film, watching documentaries, reading reports. That's how I started out. So that's how I started him out. And come this August, he will be officially graduating as uh, the team rookie uh, rank of the team. And um, But that makes up the uh, Southern Illinois Monster Hunters. Um, and then I am the team uh, leader as, long, uh, as well as um, the lead field researcher, I'm the head historian of the group. Uh, Doc, uh, my best friend Gunner, he is the uh, one of the head researchers and my second in command. And um, that's what makes up the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters. And what we do in, for our area to answer the second part of your question, I'm sorry if I'm a little that's long-winded. All right. That's all right. Um, he, we go out and, you know, we like to call ourselves, we don't really, we just came up with the name Monster Hunters because we hunt for quote-unquote modern-day monsters. You know, these creatures that have been seen uh, throughout, throughout the, the 1900s on into the 21st century. Uh, you know, we are hunting for the truth uh, from behind these things, whether if they are misidentified, misinterpreted, or if they're just straight-out lies. That is what we're doing, and we also call ourselves sort of a consultation for people that don't know what they could be dealing with. Um, Like, for example, there was a woman up in Buckner, Illinois, just in the next county north of here, 
that she said that there was a dog man that was coming up around her home and it was really upsetting her uh, and scaring her kids and really making her two pit bulls very aggressive. And she says, I just want this thing gone. And she said, but I don't want to kill it. And I mm-hmm. said, well, the way we do it with uh, other canines uh, like coyotes or even neighborhood domestic dogs, if they start coming around our place, we take rags and we soak them in ammonia. And we'll hang them in the trees and we'll take mothballs and we'll pile them up ever so often um, uh, in uh, yardage-wise. And that usually works. And she did that. And it actually, uh, I guess you could say, kept this thing off of her property. And um, she hasn't seen or had any kind of interaction with this thing since. Mm. So that's kind of what we do. Uh, We do that. And... um, you know, that we investigate mysterious animal killings. Um, this woman, she found um, a calf head in her yard, and she believed the calf came from a farm that was about maybe 10 miles up the road. And she found one of her dogs chewing on the head in the yard. And I went and I looked at the dogs, and they had the invisible uh, electric fence collars on. And I said, is there an electric fence around here? And she said, yeah. And she said, my dogs know not to go outside of the yard. And I looked at this, um, the calf head. I examined it up close, looking to see if there's any kind of like hack marks from a, you know, a hatchet or knife or, you know, any kind of saw blade. And there was none whatsoever. It was just like this calf's head was just ripped off of its actual body. Hmm. And we go and we do that, uh, investigate mysterious animal killings. We're a consultation for people, you know, that don't know how to handle this. And we try our best at it. We don't claim to be experts whatsoever. And um, that's basically what we do. We try to put a name on the nameless, explain the unexplainable, and we try to separate the truth from the, from the bull crap. That's what we do as a team. So uh, you and your team have been looking into, I don't know if, it, if you want to call it an old sighting. It, it's something that, happened, that started being brought up back in the 70s. But this Enfield horror case, can you kind of describe the, the genesis of this and what people have seen and reported and what your team has been involved with? Well, you know... Leading up, I believe, you know, you know, from what a lot of people are telling me, I am the first person to come forward in close to 50 years of seeing this creature. The last time it was seen was back in 1972, and it was seen for um, approximately 11 days, and it was seen by eight people. Mm-hmm. And that's not even counting the people that didn't come forward to seeing this thing. Right. And... It just showed up one night um, on a resident of Enfield's doorstep, literally. Um, Henry McDaniel and his wife were in the town of Fairfield, about uh, maybe 20, 30 miles north of Enfield, getting groceries, and they left their uh, kids, Henry Jr. and their daughter, Lilith, um, down at the house uh, because they were of age. And, you know, this was back then and everything, small town, USA, 
they really didn't have much to worry about, so they left their kids home by themselves. Well, they thought that there was somebody uh, or a dog scratching at the door, and they opened the door, and there this thing was standing right there on the front porch in the doorway uh, looking at them. And they went and uh, attempted to go, and they shut the door through the deadbolt, and they started going through the house and locking all the windows and pulling the drapes to. And then they could hear this thing over by this window unit, this AC window unit. And they could see that thing shaking inside the window. Mm-hmm. And they're screaming at this thing to go away. And they could hear this thing growling outside the window, pulling on the AC unit, trying to get it to come out of the window. And so they uh, hollered and they waited for their uh, parents to come home. And then finally they hear their dad uh, and mother coming in the back door. And they ran to their parents in a fit of distress and their parents uh, didn't buy what they said that they saw. And they heard a scratching at the door and Henry McDaniel senior says, well, there's probably your monster now. Well, he opened the door and lo and behold, there that thing was again. And it made a, a swipe at Henry McDaniel senior and Henry McDaniel senior shut the door this man had it was an uh, uh, was an active combat veteran, and he went and he slammed the door and was stumbling to get to his twenty two pistol and his flashlight, and he threw open the door and shined the flashlight, and there this thing was out in his front yard, and he pulled his pistol up and he shot at this thing six times, and he heard the thing let out a, a, a squall. And this thing, he said, leaped, not ran, leaped 75 feet in three leaps. Mm. And that was the first encounter uh, with the infield monster. The last encounter happened around 3 a.m. about 11 days later when Henry McDaniel's neighbor's dogs were raising up all kinds of fuss at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he got up out of bed and he went out to his uh, front window in his front room and he looked out the window, and there this thing was navigating the train tracks in front of his house. And it wasn't like it was in any kind of hurry. And this thing literally just took off as the dogs uh, took off after it. And that was the last time this thing was actually ever seen again, up until May of this year, whenever I encountered the creature. And bear in mind, I'd read about this creature for 16, 17 years since I first read about it from my cousin Bruce Klein's um, Hauntings and Mysteries of Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. And it's a sort of a paranormal travel guide, as he puts it. And I didn't put no stock in it. There had been so many, you know, people saying that it was probably a kangaroo or a chimpanzee that had escaped uh, from a circus train or a zoo or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that old saying is, seeing is believing. Well, I believe what I saw. Mm-hmm. And I'll set the scene for you. I was uh, still working down on the river and everything, and it was supposed to rain the next day, and I'd brought my bow fishing rig with me. And... uh 
I said, what's the plan for work tomorrow, boss? And he says, well, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. Take the day off. And I said, okay, I'll see you Thursday. I'm going fishing. So I drove three hours across the state to the Wabash River to go uh, fishing. And I was out there for maybe two or three hours after I drove for three hours uh, uh, catching garfish for bait. And um, <clears throat> I got a call from my uh, mother and then my fiance and they're like, well, when are you coming home? And I said, I'll be home here in a little bit. Just give me some time. The mosquitoes are starting to eat me up, so I'll be along shortly. So maybe about two hours from now. And I loaded up my stuff and I um, went back uh, towards 40, Route 45. And I've been driving. I started driving about eight o'clock, and about eight forty-five, uh, I came through Enfield, Illinois, mm -hmm. and very small town. And literally at night, they roll the sidewalk up. There was not <laughs> a soul alive in Enfield after dark. Whenever I went through town that night, right. and I got about a mile and a half, two miles outside of Enfield, between Enfield and North City, and there's a junction. And it's where Route 14 and Route 45 intersect going north, south, east, west. And I seen a uh, sign on the road that said stop sign ahead. So I started to slow down everything. And I had my high beams on because the farmers were planting that night. And uh, if the farmers are planting, usually the deer will be moving because they're going to be getting jumped up out of the woods and out of the fields. Mm -hmm. And so I had my high beams on watching for deer. And I'm coming up to the stop sign, and I'm driving here, and, and I'm driving the same vehicle that I'm sitting in right now, my my uh, 2003 Ford Ranger, and it's regular stock. There's nothing fancy-smancy to it at all. It's basic. And I see it right here out of the right side of my windshield, I see a shadow coming behind William's insurance house because the, there was a, um, a street light at that intersection. And all I, and it shone over the back of the insurance house, but it still cast a shadow from the building itself. And this thing was running inside of the shadow of the building. And I started to slow down because I thought it could have been a fawn, uh, a little baby deer. And I slowed down to about maybe 20 miles an hour. And I'm coasting up on the stop sign. And this thing comes down, uh, goes down in the ditch, comes back up out of the ditch runs across the two-lane blacktop, down in the ditch on the other side, back up and out, and it took off across the field, and it was gone. And I stopped, and I carry a, a 700 lumen uh, spotlight for a headlamp that I had with me that night that I was using while I was gar fishing. And I kicked that thing on, and I shone it right outside of my window, and I couldn't, and I span that field with that light and I couldn't even find this thing. And, you know, I got, uh, in short of the time of what I saw this thing, I got a pretty decent, uh, amount of detail from just seeing this thing run across in front of my truck. This thing had to have been between three and a half to four feet tall across the top of the back. It had dark gray elephant, uh, like, like wet elephant skin color to it. Mm -hmm. And it had, when my, it ran in front of my headlights, it, you could see a sort of a pinkish eye glow from this thing. It had, 
it's it had arms, uh, little skinny forelimbs, uh, kind of like ours, and it was had its arms and its hands drawn up like this while it was running on two feet. And then this thing has been reported to have like a tripod style uh, leg arrangement arrangement. And right where your tailbone would be is about where this thing's uh, back leg was coming out. But it had its leg drawn up like this whenever it ran across that road, kind of like a possum does with its tail, uh, straight up in the air with a little bit of a curve to it. And, I mean, this thing had a like an alligator-style head, but it had what we call a pug nose on it, which means a short snout. So it had the head uh, like an alligator, but the snort, snout was a little bit shorter. And this thing just went, came across there, just boogity, boogity, boogity across the road, and it hit the field, and it was gone. Hmm. And, I, and I sat there at that stop sign for about a good two and a half minutes. I literally shut the, car, the truck off, and at this point, I'm, you know, the adrenaline's going, and I am trying to calm myself down, and I called my mother. And I said, Mom, you're not going to believe this. And she goes, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I said, no, I'm fine. But I, I swear, as God is my witness, I saw the infield monster. And I described what I just described to you. And I told her, I said, Mom, it looked kind of like a dinosaur. And she talked me down, called me down. The adrenaline rush went away. And then I uh, continued on my journey back to the house and then I told my team whenever I got back to the house of what I saw and you know I put it out on Facebook that same night and I'm like you know the if this thing is still around or is back the public needs to know that this thing is back hmm. and I put it out there and that's how Shannon LeGro, uh Jake uh, Gira uh, and uh, Jeremiah Byron and uh, Shane Jones got a hold of me, and mm -hmm. then that's how uh, you and Vincent got a hold of me. Mm -hmm. And you know, this thing I do believe that the infield monster is alive and well in White County, Illinois. Do you um, now you haven't heard of anybody else lately uh, seeing this thing, have you? No, and I have I have been monitoring any kind of reports on, you know, social media that I would find, any kind of newspaper articles that would come up online mm -hmm. regarding this thing in current day, current, uh, current, uh, present day. And I, to this day, I still have not. And if there are people seeing it, they're not coming forward. Right. Interesting. Hmm. You know, the fact that you saw it so many years after it was last reported, I, I tend to believe other people have seen it and just haven't reported. You know, that's not unusual. Right. And, you know, um, yeah. it's it's small. Like I said, it's small town USA in Enfield. Everybody who's anybody knows everybody. And everybody knows your business. And a lot of them are well-respected, big-time farming uh, companies up there and folks that are well-respected members of their community. 
they, I believe that they are, if they are seeing this thing, that they are keeping it to themselves for fear of ridicule and it might hurt their business. Because mm. people are like, why would I want to go and buy or do business with a whack job? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, Vincent made a good point. Uh, did you guys look for tracks later on or have you been up there looking for tracks or any type of other physical evidence? I have not been back since. Uh, it's just been, you know, so busy with work. And not only that, with gas being so high, um, with I mean, it's dropping now. But back then, it was right around like four eighty-seven a gallon, and it's getting closer to three ninety-nine a gallon now. Right. But here's the thing: why I did not get out of my truck and everything is because I all I had other than my bow fishing rig in the bed of my truck. It was a pocket knife. I didn't have a sidearm or a long uh, long arm with me. And what's to say this thing wouldn't have meant to do me any kind of harm. And not only that, it was late at night. And, you know, these are out there. It's wide open country. And that is property that belongs to big name farming uh, corporations. Those places are monitored by cameras and uh, people out doing night patrols and not only that. It's heavily <clears throat> policed uh, with uh, with uh, law the law patrols. Mm-hmm. I was not in the mood to either get arrested for trespassing, get attacked by this creature if it decided to double back on me, or and I didn't feel like getting shot by a property owner or having a gun put in my face. I was not in the mood to be charged with trespassing. <laughs> oh, I, I don't blame you. Um. And any kind of tracks that would have been there, even if I went back the next day or the next two days, they would have been washed away because, like I said, the next day after that next day, there was a big front coming in. It came a torrential downpour the next day, and all of those tracks would have got washed away. Right, right. So, did you? I mean, what you saw? Did it? Um, did it actually mimic what others had reported back in the seventies? Yes. Uh, I it, I mean, every bit of it from the reports I've read and the stories I've heard regarding this thing, um, it it did. And But here's the thing, like some of the pictures that we've seen here on the show already, I, they did not look anything like that white one at all or the colorized cartoon version. I believe those are just overly embellished to look more menacing. Right. This thing, it was, you know... I like I told Jake Guerra, um, this thing did not have any kind of body hair on it because I have pretty powerful high beams on my truck, and like I I jokingly say, I turn my high beams on, I can give you an X-ray. That's how powerful these things are. And I had my windows down on this uh, truck because my air conditioner's been busted for a while. And I was slowed down and everything, and over even over the hum of the engine with this thing running across the two-lane blacktop, you could hear the claws on its feet ticking on the blacktop. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's been so many uh, theories on what this creature could actually be. Yeah. Uh, some, some people say it's uh, demonic, which I do not believe at all, because, you know, you don't have to be an empath, a clairvoyant, or... or uh, a medium or a psychic, whichever you want to claim to be, to tell if there is something with ill intent in its heart. 
you can get that feeling just away from that uh, primal instinct that, that we have from our ancestors. You know, I did not detect any kind of of uh, malcontent or uh, malevolent um, ad- intent with this thing. I mean, uh, if anything, I detected fear because I f- feel like them farmers out planting their crops and spraying their crops might have jumped this thing off and it was running to get away. Because if this thing uh, wasn't scared of people, I believe that it would have stopped in front of my truck at least to look at me for at least half a second and then keep on going. It just kept going, and it never even looked my way. It just kept on going, straight shot. And then some people say it could be an extraterrestrial. I'm a little bit on board with that because this thing uh, has been seen in an area where there has been an abundance of UFO reports. Southern Illinois is a hotbed for them. Uh, You know, back in 2000, we had a triangle-shaped UFO the size of a football field that was seen by the uh, population of five different towns in less than an hour and a half. You know, then here back in 2017, there was a red light UFO that went over the Mississippi River Valley, and thousands of people saw it. And then here, um, back in 2018, my ex-girlfriend and me were sitting out here in my driveway, just talking, sitting on the tailgate, and I look up over here in the north sky, and I'm seeing... Uh, a craft going through the air that had like white lights but they weren't like you know a light here a light there a light there a light over here they were all in a straight equally spaced straight line going across the sky and you could see this thing as it was ascending and then when it leveled out it tilted and all of those uh same lights leveled out with the craft and everything it ain't like they came up at a curve or anything they just went and angled out and just leveled out like you do a a regular uh uh carpenter's level Mm -hmm. i don't don't know what your theory is or what your thoughts are on interdimensional beings but do you think this there's a possibility that this being may be able to come in and out of our reality well i'll just i really don't know you know what to think about what this thing is you know it's the world we're we're still discovering new things about our universe Mm -hmm. daily and we are discovering new uh uh plant life and animals uh you know year daily as it goes and everything you know we learn something new every day Mm -hmm. what this thing could be i have no clue as of yet so I wouldn't know what to tell you, Lon. Well, the reason I ask that is, you know, we, we've been investigating a lot of different things over the years. And, uh, but, and we've suspected that this may be the case in some, some of these creatures, some of these cryptids, uh, especially what's going on in Chicago with the winged humanoids. Uh, so that's why I wanted to ask you. I just wanted to get your idea, you know, what you thought it would be. You know, you live in an area that has had a lot of cryptid activity. I mean, and you know that. Uh, but for the audience, I mean, I have gotten some pretty strange Bigfoot reports over the years in Southern Illinois. And as well, more recently, we've had some pretty interesting uh, winged humanoid sightings as well. 
So uh, it, it is a it is a heavy area, heavy concentration. Um, I believe Ken Gerhard called it a window state. Maybe, yeah. For all of these <clears throat> different types, as I put it, a cornucopia of cryptids mm -hmm. in the la in the just in the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. You know, there has been the Mad Gasser of Mattoon, the Big Muddy Monster, you know, the Enfield Horror, mm -hmm. the Nelly the Lion, the Phantom Panther, Dogman, um, the Hamp Mine Monster, uh, the list goes on and on. And we even had Mothman reports mm -hmm. here in the last 10 years uh, from when the Leap Day Tornado happened back here in 2012. In the months leading up to the Leap Day tornado that killed eight people, there was reports of Mothman sighted uh, in and around Harrisburg, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it, I yeah. mean, I you go and you look at it and everything. One of my uh, team members, Stacy Coughlin, brought it up to me because him and me talk all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm a I'm a preacher and everything, but you know, I try to keep I I believe. God exists and everything, but you know, I go and I look at other things and everything. Um, you know, you look at uh, Illinois and you overlook, uh, overlay it on a map of where ley lines are. There is a major ley line running right along uh, southern Illinois, running directly through it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people have these theories about these ley lines being uh, energy highways for everything from uh from uh physical to paranormal and i you know i just believe that that may have something to do with all these cryptids being seen within you know two hours of each other well you know i do believe geology and uh past incidents have a lot to do with uh why certain cryptid areas are heavy in cryptid sightings Illinois definitely is one of them. It's well known for wing being sightings throughout the state, as well as Bigfoot. And um, of course, here in Pennsylvania, we've got a plethora of sightings of a lot of different things as well. Uh, and it seems like, you know, it seems like it has to do with maybe the geology and some of the incidents that had occurred there, in, you know, previously. I mean, that's my theory. You know the upper. Uh, Midwest, I would agree with that. Yeah, the upper Midwest is really heavy with a lot of cryptid activity. Anyway, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, even down into Missouri, very heavy in cryptid activity. Well, I mean, you look at all of this. <clears throat> you know, you look at. You don't you don't have to even look at a topographical map. Mm -hmm. Just look at a map of how all the rivers feed into the Mississippi. Right. You've got all these water sources and everything. And then just here in southern Illinois, from Mount Vernon, Illinois, down to uh, Golconda and, and Cairo, Illinois, you will find swamps, you will find plains, you will find um, wide open spaces, heavily wooded areas, you will find ponds, creeks, lakes, orchards, cattle farms, all uh, uh, abundance of livestock and wildlife. This thing is what I call is a, a smelting pot for different uh, biomes. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, a lot of variables for it to hide, to live, to feed, and absolutely, it does. You know, it is an area where there's you know something like that can can survive very easily. Hmm. Interesting. I agree. So, um, 
what other uh, what other reports and what other investigations have you and your team been involved with that are of interest? Well, I mean, <clears throat> here this past um, May of last year, we investigated a report of a uh, somewhat territorially aggressive uh, Bigfoot report. Uh, there's this. Um, uh, it was actually a friend of our tracker, Ben, my cousin, um, and we. He told me about it, and he was actually there for the uh, first two or three actual encounters that happened. So this was kind of his investigation, and I was just there as backup. And this thing had been seen. They were out coyote hunting one night, and. Everything was just dead quiet, and they're outside just uh, screwing around. He showed me a video where they were actually out doing fire dancing with the fire baton. Hmm. And everything just got dead quiet. And next thing you know, they heard this big wailing yell come out of these pine trees that was out behind the house about 100 yards away. And they were all, uh, at the next time... We're all sitting out on the front porch, just hanging out and talking. And they heard a car door slam, and they heard something take off into the woods. Well, everybody that was there, because this, this house sits back down a half mile uh, down this one-lane road. And if you don't know where the house is, or even where the driveway is, because the driveway's not marked, it just looks like a back road. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know where this place is, you're not going to find it. They heard a car door slam, <clears throat> and the husband got up, and he said, somebody's down there messing around with my truck. And he went down there to see, and there, he kept his uh, lunch pail in the back seat of his truck. And his lunch pail had been dumped out, and all the contents were torn into sandwich wrappers, chip uh, bags. Um, there was uh, a, a bottle of soda that had been uncorked and was uh, pouring out over the seat. And while he's out there, they're all sitting out there, and they said, what did you find down there? And about that time, as he's walking back, a 10-foot-long limb that's about as big as a coffee can, they said, came flying out of the trees. You could hear it flying through the canopy and it landed right out in the middle of the uh, actual driveway. And they all ran inside, and they shut all the lights off, and they figured if they're in the dark that their eyes would adjust to the dark outside, and they might be able to see what this thing is. Mm -hmm. And they said they could see the silhouette of this Bigfoot inside the tree line walking through the trees. They could actually see the silhouette of this thing. And this thing would affect the behavior of the wife's dogs, like, they got this pit bull boxer mix. That's, I've played with this dog. I've loved this dog. Biggest sweetheart you'd ever meet. And she thinks. Now, he seems to be buffering. I hope we didn't lose him and get him back here. So I hope it gets some. Oh. So what's I'm up? Work, I'm working. Hey guys, I'm working on it right now. I think we just dropped him off for a second. Yeah, okay. so I'll be right back. We'll give him back. Hey guys. <laughs> well, anyway, 
uh, like Zach's saying, I mean, this is an area that I've been interested in for a lot of years. I mean, we've gotten reports. I know I've gotten at least three or four reports of winged humanoids diving onto towards cars on highways down in Southern Illinois, you know, coming across Southern Illinois, coming from St. Louis. And uh, I don't know what the hell people are seeing, but uh, it's very similar to a lot of other sightings we've had. So, um, you know, this area it, it does have a lot of things going on around it. Uh, we, we did get a, uh, we did get some Bigfoot sighting reports from Shawnee National Forest, which is in Southern Illinois. Uh, and uh, Vince is going to be investigating that. Carter Bouchard also talked about uh, going in there, in there as well. So uh, we're going to try to get some information, try to get some, you know, try to talk to some witnesses there with that as well. So, I mean, well, we got a break here. Maybe I can give you an update on some things that have been going on here in Pennsylvania. Uh, we have been getting more dogman reports or upright canine reports. Uh, I, oh, there he is. See if we bring him in. Ah, there he uh, is. I have no clue what happened. <laughs> it looks like he just buffered out. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the government's not liking what I'm saying. They're trying to <laughs> shut us down. Uh, we never know. Okay. So where did you lose me at? Uh, just, just, I don't know. You were talking about, uh, you're talking about this Bigfoot, uh, where you're seeing it in, uh, see the shadows of this thing. Yes. Um, well, getting back to what I was saying, uh, they saw, this Bigfoot's silhouette going through the trees and it was affecting this thing's presence was really upsetting uh, the wife's dog and mm -hmm. the, pro the property owner's wife's dog and the dog is a boxer pit bull mix breed and she is one of the biggest sweethearts you'll ever meet she sat in my lap and she thinks she's a lap dog of all things but this dog would get very territorial of this uh, of this uh, place that they live in the home and one night they were coming back uh from walmart from getting groceries and uh she took the dog with her she was there by herself and right as they're coming down the driveway to the house a bu whole bunch of deer they just come shooting across that uh gravel driveway of theirs that goes down the lane to the house and they were running i mean firing on all cylinders wide open and about that time the dog who usually sits in the back seat or in the pasture seat crawled over in her lap and started standing up in her lap looking out the window growling and she's trying to calm the dog down and the dog usually will wait until she lets the dog out the passenger door the dog jumped over her and went out the driver's side door and got up like a police dog would right between her legs and walked her back to the house. And the dog just sat there growling with its eyes fixed on those trees from where that Bigfoot was seen a couple weeks prior. And she called her, uh, called her husband and my cousin Ben, who were working in St. Louis at the time, and she told him what's happening. She says, I've got a gun. And her husband said, pack up, uh, go quick, go to your sister's. We'll be home here in a little bit. And she'd got back in the truck and went to her sister's 
and they drove back um, almost three hours uh, back down there to the house, and they got there, he said, at about 3 o'clock in the morning, and they're outside with flashlights, and they could hear this thing out behind the house this time instead of in front of the house in the pine trees behind the house, and they could hear this thing's footfalls in the pine trees, and they went out there the next day, and they found heel marks in the actual dirt. Hmm. And we invent, and I took that as uh, something worth going after. So we loaded up and we headed north, and we actually found what we believed to have been a bedding area of these things. And what it was was kind of like an A-frame style setup, where there was a deadfall tree that had fell over and broke off halfway up, fell over, and there was limbs going up both sides of this, sort of like an A-frame. And you could see inside there where there was a, a pretty good-sized bed that uh, that I pulled my tape measure out that measured about eight foot long and about four feet wide. And I was in there looking around, and then uh, Ben, who was taking perimeter pictures of the uh, actual uh, bedding area, he went and he said, I hear movement off to our left. And I told everybody, even our cameraman that was with us, I said, back out. Let's get out in the open where if they come running, they got to come see, uh, come towards us. And if, if they looking for a fight, we got a shotgun and a rifle. We can, you know, put them down if we have to. Mm -hmm. So we backed out. We walked back to the road across this bean field. And we walked down the road back up to the house itself. And Stacy uh, played a big part in that investigation because he does, like I said, energy work with a mm -hmm. pendulum and dousing rods that are unloaded dousing rods. And he goes and he'll print out a map, a black and white 2D map of an area that we're investigating. And he will work in real time with his pendulum. And he can ask the pendulum yes or no uh, questions or say which way is whatever is uh, so and so going and it'll start swinging a certain way showing where this thing is or it'll circle in and point straight down like a magnet on the map of where this thing is and i've seen him do this in person before and it is phenomenal literally mind-blowing and he we were up on this hillside out behind the house overlooking the pine trees and he said there is uh a alpha bigfoot a hundred yards inside the tree line watching you guys on the hillside. And I looked at Ben and I said, you stay here because you got the rifle and I'm going to go inside the tree line about 50 yards and try to flush this thing out if I can. And you've got the camera and everything and i got a camera with me and we're gonna, I want us to try and either get this thing on camera and I'm going to go in you just cover me. And I said, and if this thing comes after me, you know fire shot in the air don't shoot him because i don't want to wound it mm -hmm. and i walked down the hillside and i went 50 yards inside the tree line and i walked south to north to the north edge of the trees for about 100 yards and then i came back out and he can and you can ask ben i came out and i was white as a sheet i was nauseous and i had a very massive headache and uh we interviewed the property owner 
and it's in a three-part interview series on our YouTube channel, you can watch and look at me and tell that I was not feeling 100%, that I was very, very sick. Hmm. And I, we concluded the investigation, and I drove back to my fiance's house, uh, which was a 45-minute drive from where we were at back to her place. And I stopped five or six times to either throw up or dry heave. Mm. And I got home, and her and her grandmother were sitting at the table waiting on me, and they said, well, how was it? Boom. And I collapsed on the floor. And they, she finally brought me around and everything, and I was in a bad state for about three weeks after this. Well, the next day, a little light went off in my head, and I'd always heard about infrasound or the mm -hmm. term zapping and i looked up you know what the infrasound was and i read what the definition was and it's a low decibel sound wave uh that uh can affect human anatomy and well-being and I, I said what are the side effects of being affected by infrasound nausea headache stomach uh stomach cramps fatigue and prolonged exposure can cause cardiac arrest. And I'm sitting there thinking, uh-oh. So that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I've, and, you know, I do believe that I was affected by infrasound, and, you know, I don't even wish that on my worst enemy. That was <laughs> miserable, Jack. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I heard a lot of people who have been infected by that. Um, I mean, I, I think they use it for a lot of different things, even, even a communication type thing where they try to get someone to back off without them doing any, you know, any, uh, threats or anything, but I, for defensive, I think they, they very well could have, uh, used it as defense mechanism against you. Absolutely. Well, you know, and here's the thing, it's not just Bigfoot. You know, that I'll use it because I can tell you firsthand from experience that I do know for a fact that I, that a Bigfoot I did use infrasound on me. Even though I didn't see it, I felt it. You mm -hmm. know, big predators use it. Tigers, lions, rhinos, oh, yeah. elephants, uh, any kind of big cat uh, or any kind of big mammal. They can uh, generate that. And even it's been weaponized by our military. Mm-hmm. And that, like I said, it can it prolonged exposure to it can cause cardiac arrest and lo loss of control of your facilities. Absolutely, interesting. So uh, before we go here, uh, Zach, I'd like for you to tell the folks how they can get in contact with you and uh, what is in the future. Uh, how to get a hold of you on your uh, Facebook page, your uh, your YouTube channel, and anywhere else they can find you. Well, first of all, you know, um, I have had a blast being on your show, uh, Lon, and uh, I I do thank you uh, all for going and um, having me on. <clears throat> Places people can get a hold of me or follow me on social media, um, they can find me on my personal Facebook, Zach D. Sterick. They can find me there. They can follow the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters on our Facebook page as well. And uh, there's also the page for our documentary, Hunt for the Shawnee Sasquatch, 
that is out for purchase right now on DVD and is slowly working its way up to being streaming. Um, you can go ahead and uh, follow us there. You can follow me on Instagram at Duke Randall Official, um, on Twitter at DR Outdoors 2021. Um, you can uh, follow my ministry page, um, Steric Music Ministries. Um, it's, uh, I, you know, like I said, I am a, a, a pastor and uh, I'm a servant of the Lord. And the Lord's been good to me. And, uh, you know, to have encountered all that I have and everything that I've seen, Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, said it best in a quote. And he says, I have, uh, all that I have seen uh, from the Creator um, prepares me for all that I have uh, yet to see. It's, and I'm just summarizing a rough uh, idea of what the quote actually was. Um you know, and that rings true and everything. You know, I believe the Lord created uh, created everything that we see, and it gives us the privilege and the blessing of actually uh, encountering these things. Um, what's next for me? Well, the next four weeks are going to be very, very uh, eventful, uh, starting tomorrow at noon at Pittsburgh City Hall in Pittsburgh, Illinois. Uh, the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters will be partnering up with the Crab Orchard Public Library, going and uh, doing uh, their a part of the Read Beyond the Beaten Path tour that we're doing with all the local libraries here in Southern Illinois. Uh, we will be giving our uh, Sasquatch and other cryptids of Southern Illinois lecture presentation uh, there. And that starts tomorrow at noon. It's free to the public. All of our lectures are free to the public. And then here coming up uh, next weekend, um, on the 23rd, we will be in uh, Grayville, Illinois, outside of Carmi, at the Groff Memorial Library at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, doing the same thing. Uh, then uh, July 24th, uh, me and my gospel quartet, Riven Quartet, uh, we will be singing at my church, Walnut Hill Free Will Baptist Church in Crab Orchard, Illinois. If you go to RibbonMusicMinistries.org uh, or find Ribbon Quartet on Facebook, you get all the information for that. Um, it's a free uh, concert at the church. Uh, love offering will be taken and everything, and uh, that will be having a potluck. And it's like like we all jokingly say, a uh, Baptist uh, symbol is a casserole dish. <laughs> so and all that it's like the old saying jesus spoke to more people when he fed them so that's what yeah. we're doing there um and then july uh 30th we will be in glen carbon illinois outside of edwardsville illinois doing another lecture and presenting uh there as well uh, like in grayville and pittsburgh the hunt for the shawnee sasquatch documentary and then July 31st, I will be uh, uh, preaching that Sunday night at 6 o'clock at uh, Walnut Hill Free Will Baptist Church in Crab Orchard, Illinois. Um, we may be going to the Cryptid, Paranor uh, uh, Cryptid Paracon in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, uh, put on by Michael Huntington in August. And then in October 8th of this year in Harrisburg, Illinois, we will be a part uh, for the second year of the Shawnee Sasquatch Festival, and we will uh, be giving a lecture there and also be showing our documentary as well. 
and you can buy copies of the documentary. You can either order them from me personally, or you can go and get them at the events we're going to be at. Come out, meet us, and um, you guys are more than uh, welcome. I invite everybody, if you don't have a home church, to come to Walnut Hill. You know, we're not judgmental. We will op- welcome you with loving, open arms. Um, I want to do something uh, real quick. Uh, Vincent, if you're there, would you come on camera for me, please, my friend? I want to uh, do something for you. Hi, everybody. <laughs> well, you know, I I would be mighty pressed if I didn't do this. And, um, you know, the Lord's convicted me because I've been monitoring your Facebook, and I know you are wow. falling on hard times. But here's the thing. I just, I've never done this on a show, but I want to pray for you right here and right now, my friend. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord, and I just lift uh, my friend Vincent up to you, Father. You know what trouble he's in, Father, and you know what stress he's under, Father. I just go and I pray and I ask of you to bless this man abundantly ten times over, Father. Bless this man in some way, shape, or form with uh, everything that's been going on with him. I ask you just to bless him. Give him comfort, Father, and because we all know that through you all things are possible as long as we have faith, because it says we are blessed are the ones who walk by faith and not by sight. I ask you, Father, just to go and surround him and Lon with a, a hedge of uh, guardian angels and put the hand of protection over them, Father, and comfort with whatever may be going on in their lives, Father. I ask to you to work in their lives, Father. I ask all this in your name, and we thank you for sending your son who came and died on a cross over 2,000 years ago, Father, for us, that we may have a way off of this earth, Father, and have something to look forward to other than a six-foot hole in the ground and eternal separation from you. I ask all this in your name, Father. Amen. Brother, that's for you. I love you guys. That's because for all of you guys. Thanks, Zach. You have a nice night, buddy. Well, yes, Zach, you too, for, buddy. Thanks for coming on, and uh, I'm pretty sure we'll be in contact. So uh, tell your team thanks for me, and uh, we'll talk soon. You all have a good night. God bless every single one of you. I love you, all of you. Okay, take care now. <clears throat> now, if you have an unexplained encounter or sighting, feel free to contact me through the Phantoms and Monsters blog site. I want to again thank zach uh start for uh for joining me this evening and thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting if you made a super chat donations uh thanks to jose it's truly appreciated your support is what makes this possible please like subscribe share and even comment on uh on the show uh if you have a sighting or an encounter report that you'd like to be considered for the personal report show or just post it on fans and monsters feel free to forward to my email at lonstrickerfamsandmonsters.com. Now, we got something different coming up this week. This coming Wednesday, <clears throat> I'm going to have a guest, uh, experiencer Kenneth Hopkins, who will be on with me discussing MK Ultra, alien abduction, mind control, and military intervention. Should be a very interesting show. Uh, and then next Friday, 
we will conduct another roundtable discussion. This time, we'll be discussing skinwalkers and Native American lore. Uh, I don't have the uh, I don't have the guest list in full yet, but we'll have that up very soon. So it should be an interesting show. So until next week, stay healthy and have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night. Thank you.